Amen. I'm going to ask you to have your Bibles with you. Why don't you go ahead and turn with me to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Now, there may be some of you a couple of weeks ago as we talked about our governing authorities. I know that's a, a real exciting thing for a lot of y'all to talk about submitting to the governing authority. Uh, you know, we went through that and we stopped short. We stopped in verse uh, 6 there. And uh, we did not go on to verse 7. Um, and verse 7 is very pertinent to the time of year that we find ourselves in. You know, we're about a month away, a little more than a month away from um, not, not, a very, not a fun time in the life of Americans. Okay, April 15th. Y'all know what I'm talking about, all right? And it's just providential, I guess. I guess God, it's just God's will that we come to this place in Romans chapter 13 today where we talk about taxes and we talk about respecting authorities. As we talk about honoring those who are in authority over us, we come here to this passage that, that commends us and encourages us and admonishes us to pay our debts, and specifically those to governing officials. Now we come to this today, we come to this passage, and we understand there's much more to this than just simply paying your taxes and paying your tolls and those kind of things that we're going to read about here in just a moment in Romans chapter 13. You see, this goes back to what we've been talking about as we worked our way through Romans. We entered into Romans chapter 12 and we, we took this turn from that which was almost totally doctrinal, theological, related to our salvation that we read about and we learned about as we walked through Romans chapter 3 all the way through Romans chapter 11. And we came to Romans chapter 12 and it was almost like the Apostle Paul was saying, okay, in light of all that Christ has done for you and in light of this wonderful, glorious, gracious salvation that you have in Jesus Christ, now that you have been bought out of bondage to sin, you have been brought from lostness to salvation, you have gone from being God's enemy through what Christ did on the cross, you have now been brought near and you have become part of the family of God. You've been brought to life. You've been given the Holy Spirit. And you're walking about on this earth now as representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ as those who are to make known the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, how should you live? How should you live in the midst of a broken world? How should you live as those who are continually, as Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 told us, those who are continually offering your bodies, yourselves, as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship or your reasonable service. As those who are not conformed any longer, as verse 2 tells us in Romans chapter uh, 12, not conformed any longer to the, the pattern of the world or conformed to the world, but instead you're being transformed and you are transformed by the renewing of your minds. And those who, are, who have been transformed by the renewing of their minds, those who are dwelling in God's Word, reading God's Word, seeking to glorify Christ, we're able to discern, aren't we? As Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 tells us, we're able to discern that which is good and that which is God's will, that which is pleasing to Him. 
And that discernment is not just for those things that you do amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. We need that discernment as we see how we're to relate to our neighbors and how we're to relate to governing officials, how we're to relate to, to governments that are oftentimes, or well, actually always, in some way, all governments are, are put together and held together by laws that were made by men that just like me and you are imperfect. Amen? Anybody got it figured out yet? Only as we look to the Word of God, right? And so we live under these imperfect authorities. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And how are we to live so that we might glorify Christ now and tomorrow and the next day until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back? How are we to live in this world? As we pick up here in Romans chapter 13 and verse 7, keep in mind that Paul is encouraging them to live in such a way, as he says in 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 through 2, that they might live a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. That's the sort of life that we're to desire to live so that Christ might be glorified in us and that our witness might be strengthened and empowered by right, consistent living. And so I'm going to ask you if you would, if you stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word, as we look here in Romans chapter 13, verses 7 through 10, and I believe the Lord has a great deal to say to us this morning. There in verse 7. Pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes to those you owe taxes. Tolls to those you owe tolls. Respect to those you owe respect. And honor to those you owe honor. Do not owe anything, anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and any other commandment are summed up by this commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray you guide my thoughts, Lord. I pray that you would help each one of us in this room, Lord, as we've come here today to worship you. Help us, Lord, to submit to your word. Help us, Lord, to have hearts that are prepared, Lord, to guide our minds, Lord, to be renewed today. That, that, Lord, you might help us take every thought, Lord, every inclination captive to the obedience of Christ. Lord, today as we carry with us attitudes maybe today into this place, we brought attitudes with us that are not consistent with who you've called us to be. They've not yet been surrendered fully to the Lordship of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would show us, Lord, those that we need to repent of. And Lord, show us how to glorify you. Lord, there are some in this place, I have to believe, Lord, who have not yet, Lord, turned from sin and turned to Christ. Look to Christ in faith. There are some here that have not yet believed on Christ with that saving faith, Lord, that you give us, Lord, that you'll help us, Lord, to discern. Lord, they've not yet been saved. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would work in their hearts today. And Lord, I pray, Lord, they would turn to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
couple of things this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture together, and we begin there in verse, one, uh, verse 7, realizing that we're picking up in the, in the midst of this context, which is us submitting to governing authorities, those believing, ultimately, that God is the ultimate authority, that He is sovereign, He is over all things. All authority has been given to the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven and on earth. Amen? Only if you believe, you know, Matthew... Uh, as, as we read it there, the Great Commission. But here in Romans chapter 13, in the midst of that, he says this, which I would like to read over, and your flesh would like to allow you to read over. Pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes to those you owe taxes. Tolls to those you owe tolls. Tolls, I, can't, I want to say toll, but it's toll, tolls. Respect to those you owe respect and honor to those we owe honor. As Christians, if we are going to live this tranquil and quiet life in all godliness, we are not exempt from worldly obligations. We're not exempt from worldly obligations. You know, in America, there are certain religious exemptions that we can still claim for certain things. You know, this time of year, you know, we'll have people call the office and they want to they want to, you know, ask. They want to ask for their giving statements. You know, we send those out. You know, at different times, and and our, our government allows us to to you know um, for our giving. You know, the government allows us to take exemptions or, or what? I don't even know what you call it, deductions. How about that? That's what you call. Anyway, the, the government allows us to do those, and that's wonderful. That's great because our our government recognizes that that churches are doing good, and churches are not trying to gain profits for themselves. And so the goodness that the churches are doing and the, and the way we're trying to help people and encourage people and, and we're helpful to society. And so there's these things that are written into the law that allow us to have these exemptions. But guess what? The government's going to get what the government needs to get. Amen? They're going to get that which they desire to get from you. Okay? And the codes that they put in place, we are to try to work within so that we might live a quiet and tranquil life in all godliness. Because one of the things that I have come to realize is that I, if I don't give the government that which they say I have to give them, my life will no longer be quiet and tranquil. Amen? And I do not want my life to not be quiet and tranquil. If, if I'm going to lose the tranquility and quietness of my life, if I'm going to be interrupted from living in the, in the manner that God has called me to live in, I want it to be because I'm preaching Jesus Christ, and I don't want it to be because I'm not paying my taxes. Because we're not exempt from worldly obligations. There are obligations that we will have in this world. And if we want to glorify Jesus Christ, if we want to be able to serve Him with freedom, we're going to have to pay those obligations. This morning, a little sub-point there on your outline says, Christians still get taxed and ticketed. Amen? And we have to decide how we're going to respond to that. You know, I have to imagine, and we know, we know basically when Paul is writing the book of Romans. We know that Paul is writing Romans probably from Corinth. And he's writing this at a time when, when the, the Roman world is under the rule of Nero. Now much of what we know of Nero is related to his persecution of Christians. 
That happened later on in his reign. It, it happened toward the latter end of his reign when he had lost, seemingly, sanity. And he began to persecute Christians in horrible ways. But during this time period when Paul is writing, things were pretty peaceful from, from what we think of as governmental persecution toward Christians. If you look at Paul on his missionary journeys that we have recorded in the book of Acts, it's not Romans that are persecuting Paul. It's Jews and it's pagans. It's cultural persecution that Paul is dealing with during this time period. And if Paul wants to continue to be able to share, if he wants to continue to be able to witness, if the Christians in Rome, if they're going to do that which God has called them to do, they've got to work within the framework that they live in. And we do as well. Christians still get taxed and ticketed. No one gets excited about ta paying taxes. But we've got to if we're going to live a quiet life and if we're going to be able to glorify the Lord. No one gets excited about paying tolls, but we like going over those bridges, don't we? It's just part of life. You know, tickets can sometimes be a drag, and, and you might be innocent, but you're probably not. And if you are innocent, it's kind of like, you know, I, I got disciplined a few times as a child when I didn't do anything. One of my sisters, usually, you know. Um, <laughs> but I got away with it a bunch of times. And there was a whole lot of times when I didn't get disciplined that I needed to get disciplined. And when I would recall to my father, when I would tell my dad, well, Dad, you remember back so-and-so, I really didn't do anything. And he'd always tell me, he said, well, son, I bet there was a few times you did something I didn't catch you. And one of the things I know is that, is that um, Christians ought to pay their ticket. Everybody quit laughing, huh? Christians ought to pay their ticket. You say, Brother Paul, what? That, no, Christian, yes, Christians ought to pay their ticket. Why? Because it says here, it says here in this passage of Scripture, pay your obligations to everyone. And when you ask for favors from the world, guess what? You owe the world. And there are others who are watching. I have a problem that many of you don't have. This is confessional time. I'm confessing to you. Okay? I get tickets. I get them on a fairly regular basis. Okay? <laughs> And I'm going to tell you why. Now, this, I mean, I'm, this is not, y'all laugh at it. It's not funny to me, okay? <laughs> I mean, it happens periodically. It's not all the time. I mean, I don't have, like, any outstanding right now that I know of. But, but I, get these, I get tickets from time to time. And, and it's not because I'm setting out to break the law. Generally speaking, most of the time, that I, most times when I have gotten a speeding ticket or I've gotten a seatbelt violation ticket, I received it because I have this disorder, and it's called absent-mindedness. Some of you have that disorder, you know this, and it's not, I'm not trying to drive faster than the speed limit, I'm just not paying attention, okay? But I came under conviction about this several years ago, I, it's, I, 
I guess I haven't come under enough conviction to start paying attention. But I came under the conviction that, you know what, when I, when I break the law, it's just for me to pay the penalty. Now, I don't like justice. Any of y'all, we don't like justice, do we? I do not like justice, and I'm so God that, glad that God doesn't give us justice. He gives us grace. But justice had to be fulfilled, didn't it? And Jesus Christ stood in our place and He received the full wrath of God's anger toward me and my sin on Calvary's cross. And I'm so glad God gives me grace. I thank God for that. And because of the grace that I've been given in Christ Jesus, and because I know that God loves me, and I believe that God is in control of everything, then when I get a ticket, guess what I've got to do? I've got to believe that it's God's will for me to get that ticket. It is His will that I go through this trial so that I might choose, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to be faithful. To be obedient to God's Word. So that God might be glorified in me doing something that I don't want to do. You see, God is most glorified in doing those things, us doing those things that our flesh doesn't want to do. Have you noticed that? Our flesh desires something. We desire relief. We desire a favor. We desire grace. And yet we're to pay our obligations. You see, Christians still get taxed and ticketed. But Christians honor and respect authority because we know all authority is from God. We worship the Lord of creation. And we respect and give the offices the honor that they're due. This is not the honor they deserve but the honor their position calls for. You can... There's two ways that you can react when you see the blue lights behind you. Okay? Now, some of you had not seen the blue lights behind you in a long time, and God bless you, okay? But I'm liable to see them today, all right? It could happen. You might see them right here. There's some of you in this room that they followed you right into this parking lot and written you a ticket, okay? Because they like to get you right here, okay? And when you see those lights behind you, you can react in two ways. You can react like the world reacts. And guess what? They're ready for you to react that way. That's what they're used to. Or you can react with the grace and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that one who came to write you that ticket, you can take your ticket and you can say thank you for what you do and you can bless them in Jesus' name. You say, that's right, just kill them with kindness. But no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. No, no. See, if your heart's wrong, it's all wrong. That's not what I'm saying. Love them in Jesus' name. If you get audited next year, say, don't even say that, Brother Paul. Don't say if you get audited next year, you're going to get to know some IRS agent really well. And you can choose ahead of time how you're going to speak to them, how you're going to interact with them, how you're going to bless them in Jesus' name.
Because they're probably lost. I can't imagine any of them know Jesus. I'm just kidding. All right, they probably a lot of them know Christ. All right, we'll move on. Let's just move on from there, okay? They probably know Jesus. I'm sure a lot of them do. All right. A lot of thank God for godly law enforcement um, agents. Thank God for law enforcement officers who know the Lord. Thank God for you know IRS agents who know Christ. Thank God for those in government who are truly born again and they're trying to be salt and light right there where God's put them. We need more. We need more Christians who are willing to serve in that way. You see, we're not exempt from worldly obligations as Christians. If we want to live this quiet and tranquil, tranquil life in all godliness, then we're going to give that honor where it's due. But also, here in verse 7, look in verse 7 with me. We are to leave no debt outstanding. You see, it's helpful when I look into God's Word and and I see it just clear, clear as it can be. Do not owe anyone anything. Do not owe anyone anything. You say, well, let's just skip on over that and go to that love your neighbor as yourself. Well, we've got to talk about this first. Because you see, when we obligate ourselves to the world, we owe the world, and it takes away in certain ways from our service to Christ. It hinders us in one way or another. You see, we're to leave no debt outstanding. We're to owe nothing, according to this scripture, to anyone in this world other than to, than to love our neighbor as ourselves. Leave no debt outstanding. In the history of this world, there has never been a society that is as affluent as the one that we live in. And yet... There has never been a society that carried as much debt as our society carried. Now, what does that speak to? It speaks to the human condition, doesn't it? We'll never have enough, will we? Our flesh will never be gratified to such a degree that we can say, Oh, that's enough, I'm done. It doesn't work that way, does it? We're always thinking how to improve something. We're always thinking how to have better or bigger or whatever it might be. We, as soon as we get that, which, which our flesh cries out for, we find out it doesn't satisfy us in the way that we thought it would, and so we have to move on. It's not the warmth of the coat or the, or the, the, the warmth of the clothes or the durability of these things that we look for, but instead it's how it fits the perception of others. That's called style, isn't it? And we want more and more and more. In the United States of America, the average household debt in the United States of America is $165,000. That's mind-blowing. That is the average household debt in the United States of America. Of those households who have credit cards, of those that have credit cards, the average credit card debt is $17,000 in the United States of America. For those who have auto indebtedness in households, the average is $29,000 that people, that families or households owe on vehicles. Now I can keep going. This stuff isn't hard to find. You know, it's out there. There's all sorts of studies on this. This is very current. 
And we go on and on. We could talk about mortgages. We could talk about all this. We could go down the list and we could talk about all the debt that's carried by Americans today. But I would just ask you, as followers of Jesus Christ, as those who seek to live quiet and tranquil lives in all godliness, those who say, we say, we profess that we're presenting our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Can you really present your body a living sacrifice when you owe a pound of flesh to all these different lenders? I can't. Because guess what? They're going to come for theirs whether I can pay it or not, right? They don't care. Doesn't matter. As I talk to my children, we talk about bills and, and those things. I, I tell them, I say, listen, if you make that debt, if you take on that bill, you have to pay it. And they don't care what's going on in your life. They're going to want it anyway. And they're going to shout. And they're going to call you. And they're going to harass you. They're going to bug you. They're going to do everything that they have to do to exact that from you. But it's nobody's fault but yours. Because you signed up for it. You see, we're to leave no debt outstanding. Worldly debts hinder our service. In Proverbs 22 and verse 6, we read, the, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. That's wisdom. We are to strive as Christians to limit our indebtedness for the glory of God. Glorify and honor Him. It's no secret. It's no secret. I mean, it's just simple that, that if, if, if I'm obligated in every single dollar that comes into my home, the Lord is, my giving to the Lord is going to be restricted, certainly. But also, my, my liberty that I have to give to others and to help others is going to be hindered. And I don't know how many godly, God-loving people I've sat down and talked with and they've been deceived and they're at this point in time in their life where they say, I just love the Lord, I want to follow the Lord and I, and I want to give, I want to give to God's Word, but I want to give to people, I want to help people, I've got a heart to help people. But I can't. You say, well, you can give in other ways, you can give your time. Well, guess what, generally speaking, if... If you're going from, you know, if, you, if you're trying to pay all these bills and you're so in bondage to that, well, you don't, what do you have to use your time in? Yeah. Overtime, right? Well, you've got to work, you work your regular hours before you can get overtime. You've got to add that on top of it, right? And then you start depending on the overtime. And before long, you're obligated to work 60, 70 hours a week. If you don't get that time in, you're not going to be able to pay the bills. And you're pulling that rubber band tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. You say, well, that's where I'm at, Brother Paul. What do I do? I'm so glad you asked. Number one, pay your bills. Okay? You've got you to refer back. Number one, you've got to pay your obligations. But number two, get rid of some of that junk. Let it go. Let it go. Get rid of some of it. Choose where you're going to live based on what you can really afford. 
You know, if you have to rent, rent. If you have to drive that old car, keep driving it. And if, and if you can't figure it out, if you can't put a pencil and paper to it and figure it out, I'm just going to tell you, Brother Stevens is going to be teaching a class. Boy, he popped his head up then when I said his name. I'll tell you. <laughs> Brother Stevens is going to be teaching a class on money management here in a few weeks. He's going to start. And I want to tell you, if anybody can teach you how to manage money in a godly way, I believe Brother Stevens could do it. All right? That man is tight. All right? But I'm just going to leave that alone. All right? But he is. To the glory of God. To the glory of God, all right? To the glory of God. But he's taught these classes in other churches. He's certified in all different sorts. Of, I mean, he's going to class. I'm telling you, he can do it. But I'll tell you how simple it is. Cut up the credit card. All right? I'll tell you how simple it is. If you don't have it, don't spend it. You see, worldly debts hinder our service. And we are to be wise in our obligations. We're to be wise. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. We're to be wise. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He didn't have a place to lay His head. He didn't have a home. He didn't own anything. He depended completely upon that which His Father would give Him. And oftentimes His Father used other people to do that for Him in His ministry. But the Lord Jesus Christ, what did He do? He did not hold on tightly to anything in this world so that he might live completely unto the glory of his Father and do his Father's will. And if I'm holding on to something too tightly, I need to let it go. That's called repentance. I need to repent of it. I need to let it go so that I might glorify God. We're to be wise in our obligations. You see, it's not just debts, but we're prone to be obligated in relation to our time and our energy in our efforts, you know, in our, our recreational endeavors, the toys we buy, you know, our, our civic clubs we might be a part of, those things are good in and of themselves. Oftentimes, there's nothing sinful about those things, but you better be wise. You better be wise in committing yourself to it because if you're a Christian, you need to fulfill your obligations. If you're a Christian, you're in the Rotary Club, you ought to be the best Rotarian they've ever seen, all right? You ought to be, to the glory of God, okay? If you sign up to, to coach the Little League baseball team, you ought to be the most faithful coach that they've ever had, to the glory of God, okay? And if you can't do that, don't sign up. Don't do it. Use wisdom. Pray about it. Seek counsel. Look at your time. You see, we're not exempt from worldly obligations. We are to leave no debt outstanding. And then finally, and most importantly, we are forever indebted to Christ. What is the greatest debt we could ever have? And what's the debt we can never repay in a million years? It's the debt that we have to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is, to what, that is what is to compel us and to drive us and to lead us and to inform our thinking related to these other things. You read on there in verse 7. And it says there in verse 7. Excuse me, in verse 8. Excuse me. Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And any other commandment are summed up by this commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. And you say, well, what, where's, where's Jesus in that? I mean, I'm just supposed to love my neighbor, right? Well, guess what? Guess who gives you the power to love your neighbor? Guess why we love our neighbor? It's not because your neighbor is so neighborly. We love our neighbor because we have been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And we have been indwelt by His Holy Spirit. And we've got a new nature. And we know that the very first attribute mentioned in the fruit of the Spirit is what? Somebody help me, alright? So they're in Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's right. Love is number one on the list. And what, what did Jesus say in Matthew 22 when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, remember? The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, all the law is held in these two commandments. They're all summed up right here. Now he goes right to commandment, what, five or six here? All right, because in this passage, he just gives a few. He says, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And then he says, and any other commandment are summed up in this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's talking about those horizontal commands. He doesn't begin with worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. All right? He doesn't start there. He doesn't talk about graven images. But he moves on. He talks about adultery. He talks about murder. He talks about theft. He talks about covetousness. In our relationships with one another, we are to love others as we love ourselves. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ first loved us, right? Because He saved us. Because He's ransomed us. If you go back to where that command comes from, it's in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. And if you go back to chapter 19 and verse 18 of Leviticus, which I know is y'all's favorite book of the Bible, I'm sure everybody in here. Leviticus can be a little dry sometimes, okay? Just for our pleasure reading. But there's power there when we look into the holiness and the perfection of God and how we ought to reverence Him and how we ought to submit to Him. And if you come to Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18, you'll find this command to love your neighbor as yourself. But if you would look back in the, the preceding verses, those that come before it, in verses 1 through 17, what you'll find is it's about how the people of God are to be set apart. And how they're to look different than the nations around them. And how that's to be seen in how they treat one another. And how they treat even outsiders and aliens. Those they encounter. And if they will treat others, their neighbor as themselves. This is not, this is not the sort of love that Christ tells His disciples that they're to treat one another with. He says that you're to love, we're to love each other in John chapter 13 the way Christ loves us. Okay, That means... Perfectly, sacrificially, all right? Love your neighbor as yourself is, is much like what we call the golden rule, okay? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We're to love others. We're to do no harm to a neighbor. We're to speak no ill of a neighbor. We are not to set out to do anything that would detract from the goodness that they experience even in natural creation, we are to respect them. We are to honor them with the respect and honor that they're due. You see, we are forever indebted to Christ. And we are free. We are free to give and serve in love. And we're free to glorify Christ.
we're free to glorify Him. Think about the debt that we owe to Christ. When's it going to be paid? It's already been paid. Jesus paid it. The debt that we owe to Christ, see, Christ is, you know, Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, the Word was God. There is absolutely nothing that's been created that was not created through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's God's agent in creation. So as we think about, as we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, what did we owe to Him? Everything. But we rebelled against Him, didn't we? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? The wages of our sin, according to Romans chapter 6, the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, the only way for our indebtedness to be paid to God was for God to pay it. And so the Lord Jesus Christ came in the fullness of time. He lived and walked in perfect obedience to the law because perfect obedience to the law is perfect obedience to the Father. He lived a life of moral perfection. He willingly submitted himself to his Father's will, even unto death, even the death of the cross. He humbled himself that far. And when he died there on Calvary's cross, my debt was paid. Your debt was paid. We can never repay it. But once you have had your debt paid, once you see the goodness of Christ and you turn to Him in faith and you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved. The Spirit comes to live within you. And for the rest of your life, you want to live as those who have been set free to serve the Lord. And that's how we live. That's how we live as citizens. It's not about being in bondage to some government. Praise God. The United States of America doesn't have any hold on me. You say, well, yeah, they do. Well, look, look at this law. Look, look, I, my citizenship's in heaven. Now, I'm not going to break into Lee Greenwood. I'm proud to be an American, but I am proud to be an American, okay? I am proud to be an American. And I'm going to pay these worldly obligations as much as I know how. I'm going to do that, but I'm doing that not because I love America. Because I don't like everything America does, amen? i going to be honest with you. I don't like everything they do, but I'm going to do it. All right, I'm going to do that because I'm a citizen of another kingdom. I'm going to do it because the only way for me to keep serving the Lord and glorifying Him here is to pay those taxes. I'm going to pay my tickets if I get one, okay? And I'm going to ask forgiveness to the Lord for being absent-minded, which I often am. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to pay that ticket. You know what? I'm going to pay it not because I love this local municipality. Rustin, okay? But I'm going to do it because my citizenship is in heaven, and if I'm going to live at peace as much as it depends on me with all people, then I need to pay that, and I need to take care of it. Okay? I'm going to pay my bills and my debts, not because I love that debtor, I mean, that, that lending company or that mortgage company. I don't love them. I'm not paying them because I love them. I'm not even paying them because I love my house. I'm paying them because 
I'm a citizen of another kingdom, and there's a home waiting for me in heaven. And between now and then, I don't need to do anything that will cast shame on the one who has saved me from my sins, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to pay that debt. I'm going to try not to incur any more if I can keep from it. I'm going to seek to be at peace with all people. I'm going to seek to glorify Jesus. Because I owe him everything. Everything. And I'm going to love my neighbor. Not because I like him so much. But because the Lord Jesus first loved me. And it's consistent with his nature to love those who persecute you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. And I'm going to love my neighbor even when they're ugly to me. Why? Not, for their, not because I like them so much, but because I love Jesus so much. This is what we're called to do in the body of Christ. It's what we're called to do as Christians. And I pray today, if you're not doing it, if you're not living as God's Word instructs us to, repent. If you don't know Jesus Christ, come to Him. Put your faith and trust in Him. Be changed. Be born again today. If you are born again and you're struggling in one of these areas, which I, if I ask for a show of hands, probably almost all of us could raise our hands that we're struggling in some of these areas we're speaking of today. Confess that to the Lord. Ask Him to help you. To change your mind and change your priorities and help you live in a way that glorifies Him.